Hello, my friends. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Christopher Alam, and we are talking about the call of God, the call of God. And um, yesterday we began to talk about supportive ministries, or some people call them ministries of helps, but I prefer the term supportive ministries because these ministries they uh, they complement. You could also call them supplementary or complementary ministries because they they complement what the fivefold ministry gifts are called to do. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are the primary ministers in the church, and we will talk about the fivefold ministry gifts later on. But now we're going to talk about the supplementary ministries, which are those who who do other tasks that are most necessary. And uh, the important thing is to realize that uh, the church or any ministry would not function without the uh, supportive ministry. Supportive ministries are most necessary. Uh, without them, ministry would come to a standstill. And so uh, we're going to talk about, you know, we talked about um, uh, Stephen, the first martyr of the church. He was not an apostle, but he was one of these uh, 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 supportive ministries. And the Bible says that he was uh, he was full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. He was a man of integrity and full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And so that's where the bar was set. And that's where I believe the bar should be set even today for people who feel they're called by God to serve uh, as supportive ministries, not necessarily in a preaching pulpit ministry, but in any other capacity that they are men and women of integrity and they're full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. But now I'm going to talk going to something else because in the book of Romans, uh, we have something that uh, are commonly known as the motivational gifts. And I'm going to share with you about the motivational gifts, the seven motivational gifts of the book of Romans. Now, as opposed to the nine supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, in 1 Corinthians 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, we read about the nine supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit or the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Those are the, we know them commonly as the gifts of the Spirit. But then you have the seven motivational gifts of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and these are not the same thing as the nine supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. And these seven motivational um, gifts. If you, you know, the book of Romans, if you look at them carefully, you will realize that these are a blueprint of uh, the lay ministries, the supportive ministries in the church. So when you have a church and in the church you have the supportive ministries, you have these uh, helps ministries or whatever, you, whatever name you may call them. As I said, I prefer to call them supportive ministry, uh, ministries. These, these, uh, seven motivational gifts of the book of Romans give a blueprint of supportive ministries in the church. So let me read to you from Romans chapter 12 verses 4 to 8 what these uh, gifts are. So it says, for as, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. So it says that we are all members of one body, the body of Christ, we are members of one body, and we, but we don't all have the same office. We are all different. We do different things. 
but we being many although we have a we have such a diversity uh, uh, you know uh, of officers or or what we do we are one body in Christ and not only are we one body of Christ but we are members one of another that means that uh, you know in the body of Christ we are supposed to be interconnected in the eyes of God we are interconnected we don't live isolated lives but we are interconnected with one another that is how the body of Christ is supposed to function and that is how the supportive ministries are supposed to function because we are all parts of one body and you should remember this even for the fivefold ministry gifts you know you see here's the thing I've lived in America and I've lived in Europe uh, for I should say 44 years of 44 years of my life and the one thing I I, I notice and is very sad is is how everything is so individualistic now it's very interesting because in the Bible uh, the body of Christ uh, um, uh, th there is an individual element to it but there's also a collective element to it so it is only when the collective and the individual are in their right perspective in their right place and they both work in harmony with one another can we have uh, growth and maturity but living in America, I feel that Christianity is very, very individualistic. Uh, it's like every man for himself. But Christianity is not supposed to be lived in an individual manner or individual ministries. A guy here does his ministry, another guy there doing his own ministry. No, we are members one of another and we are supposed to be together. So although you know there is a place for individual vision and individual faith and individual calling and uh, uh, you know individual ministries yet in the larger scheme of things we are collectively together there is a uh, because we we are parts of one another we are members one of another and and it is when we are together that we find fullness and expression in psalm 133 it says behold uh, how good and how precious it is when the brethren dwell together in in unity and then he says it's like the uh, it's like the, uh, the, the it's like the ointment the precious anointment that was poured upon the head of Aaron and it ran down his beard even to the hem of his garment and he said, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended um, uh, uh, upon the mountains of Zion and says and there shall the Lord declare his blessing now and forevermore so what he's talking about is that is that when the anointing comes it comes upon the whole body and it runs down from the head to the toes and that is when God commands his blessings upon us as a body so it is very important that we as Christians learn to live lives that are in a manner you know because there are many times there are things in the Bible, uh, the biblical lifestyle is at contrary with the American or the European lifestyle. And there we cannot let uh, adapt the Bible to our American lifestyle, to our individualistic lifestyle, then we adapt the Bible into that. No, but we have to go contrary to our culture and we have to live the biblical lifestyle, even if the world around us doesn't live that way. So that we are not just individual Christians believing God, having our own faith, own vision, and, and, and own whatever, but we are also collectively, we are members one of another, and we understand that it is in this togetherness that we have strength. 
Praise God. And, and you know, I am personally blessed because, you know, I'm an Easterner. I think that way. And I have friends here in America who think that way. I've got friends who are pastors and men of God. And we are really, our lives are intertwined together. And, and, uh, and we, do, we do ministry together, even though we have our individual ministries, but we think collectively also at a certain level. So it's very important that we learn to discover that and realize that we are at our best when we are together, as our uh, old district superintendent in our Pennsylvania, Delaware district of the Assemblies of God used to say, he says, we are better together. And that is true. We are good individually, but we are better together. So anyway, so uh, I just wanted to make a point out of that to, uh, to help you see that. So it says, so for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ. So we are many, but we are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Okay, then it says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry, uh, let us wait on ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. So it says that we have gifts, and he's really, he's not talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit, but he's talking about the seven motivational gifts of Romans 7. He says, <coughs> he says we have gifts, deferring uh, deferring according to the grace that is given to us so gifts are given to uh, to us according to the grace of god that god has bestowed upon each each person now i know that sometimes some gifts may be looked at as more spectacular or more attractive than others but that is man's way of looking at things the way god looks at it all gifts are important I mean, the guy who's uh, who's visible, and the and the and the guy who is invisible, who is not on the platform, they are equal and in the eyes of God, because they are both vital parts of the body, both vital parts of the church. So it's then it then it then it lays out. So it says, uh, let us prophesy and let us minister or teach and all those things. So these are the motivational gifts. So let us go through them. Let us go through this uh, motivational group uh, gifts. Okay. So the first of, of these motivational gifts is uh, is prophecy. Now prophecy. And now when when it comes to prophecy, I want you to understand that it's very important for us to understand that just because a person prophesies, it does not make him a prophet, right? I want. This is very important to understand that if you prophesy. Uh, God gives you prophetic words. It does not make you a prophet. In the same way, if you win souls, does not make you an evangelist. There's a difference. You can you can win souls without being an evangelist. You can prophesy without being uh, being being a prophet. So uh, you can teach without being a teacher in the biblical uh, in in the you know in the biblical in the fivefold ministry sense of the word. So let us look at the first. Uh, the first of these motivational group, uh, gifts, it says, uh, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy 
according to the proportion of faith. Now, what does prophecy mean and what does someone who prophesies do? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, it says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, to exhortation and comfort. Now, that's the, that is basic prophecy. Now, of course, if you go further on, you realize that a prophecy can carry a word of knowledge in it. Prophecy can carry a word of wisdom. Prophecy is a very versatile gift. It can carry um, on its wings, so as to say, other gifts. But prophecy in its simplest form, he who prophesieth, a man, person who prophesies, he speaks unto men to edification, that is to build them up, to exhort them, to encourage them and comfort and to comfort them. So that's the that's the basic, basic gift of prophecy. So uh, it says, so he who prophesied, let him prophesy uh, according to his the proportion of faith. And it's good that people uh, in every Pentecostal church, there should be people who can hear from God and who can prophesy. And sometimes uh, the prophecy can come through tongues and interpretation. That is one way people can, uh, people can prophesy. At other times, there's no tongues, there's no interpretation, which is straight out prophecy. And I've seen that there are certain churches that flow in prophecy. Other churches, unfortunately, they don't flow in prophecy. And the main reason they don't flow in prophecy is because the leadership doesn't encourage it. Uh, just remember this, in a, in a proper, real Pentecostal church, there should be a free flow of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and uh, the gift, the flow of the gifts shall be, should be encouraged. If the gifts are not encouraged, they will not flow. And, uh, and if they don't flow, people will be deprived of some very, very important things that God wants to communicate through the gifts of the Spirit. Now, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a big subject, but let, let me just say a couple of things. I, um, you know, as I'm thinking right now, um, I'm thinking of uh, one church especially where they you know, they wouldn't prophesy. In fact, they wouldn't even allow people to speak in tongues. Why? Because there was this fear that somebody will come up and say something goofy and shout screaming, uh, start shouting and screaming and it will scare visitors away. Now, you know, that, that is utter nonsense. Actually, the Bible say that tongues are a sign for the unbeliever. So, uh, so, but I understand where they're coming from. Sometimes people do get up and do goofy things. But, if you shut out the door to the Holy Spirit, just because you have heard uh, that somewhere at some time somebody did something goofy and that scared visitors away, that is not enough justification to shut out the manifestations of the Holy Spirit from your church. You can't do that. Actually, most pastors uh, who I know don't encourage the gifts of the Spirit. They have never experienced it personally firsthand that somebody in their church has done something really stupid and scared visitors away. But they have heard from others who have, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Oh, my, my cousin's pastor had this experience. But you can't go with that. You have to go with what the Bible teaches. Now, um, I have a, I have a, a pastor friend uh, in Germany. And, and, and he told me, this is what he does. He has a microphone there. And everyone has to can do it differently. I'm not saying there's a cookie cutter formula. So I asked him how he handled it. And whether he was afraid that goofy people would, 
would uh, do things, you know. So I said, how do you handle it? He said, look, the bigger your church, the greater the chance that somebody will come and do something silly. But he says, how will people learn unless they're allowed to make mistakes? unless they are corrected. He said, you can shut the door to the gifts of the spirit. What's going to happen is that people will never learn because they have never experienced the flow of the gifts in a church and they have never been given the opportunity to flow in the gifts themselves. And they have, because they, the pastor is afraid of mistakes being made. But he says, you know, most mistakes people make, they are harmless. Somebody gets up and says, oh, my child, I love you, says the Lord. He says, that's in the Bible. You don't need a prophecy for that. But that's a harmless mistake. But he said, but sometimes people say things that are really off the wall. Uh, some, and sometimes they, it goes counter to scripture. So I said, what do you do then? He says, I take them aside and correct them. And uh, he says, and that takes care of it. He says, now we, our people have made mistakes, but now we are at the point when it actually enriches our fellowship. People are allowed to prophesy, give tongues and, and interpretation of tongues. And, uh, uh, but we are at this place because we did allow people to make mistakes. So you should remember that whenever you allow the gifts of the spirit, you, shall, you should count on people making mistakes. And if and because only then will they learn. But anyway, enough of that. But that's what uh, prophecy is. And there are people, God, who are lay ministers who are not prophets, but God has given them a prophetic gift. So in, if on Sunday morning someone wants to have a tongue, an interpretation or a prophecy, let it flow. Let them if they make a mistake, you can correct them later on. Take them aside, show them the word of God and correct them. But do not despise, do not quench prophecy. That's actually a sin. Quenching prophecy or not allowing prophecy is actually a sin in the eyes of God. So that's the first one of the motivational gift. It is prophesying. The second one of the motivational gift, and I'm reading the words from the King James, is on ministry. Ministry. Ministry actually means to serve, to serve people. And uh, a person with the motivational gift of serving has a great desire to demonstrate love by meeting practical needs and by serving others. The server is available to work with projects and enjoys doing practical work. You know, some, there, there are people in churches, I notice. And, uh, and uh, for example, there's one brother in our church, uh, a brother called Larry Fry, Fry. Whenever we have needed him, he shows up like we moved our office and... He just showed, showed up with one of his close friends and the two of them fixed up our office, everything. They have the expertise and they love doing it. This is their ministry. This is what he does. He's not a, I mean, he's not a, 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 an evangelist or an apostle or a prophet, but to serve, that is his ministry and he does it joyfully. And I know people like that. That's why you have got people, whenever there's an opportunity to go overseas, to put a roof on a missionary's house or build a church, there's people who go there because that, that they find great joy in doing it. And that is, the, uh, that is serving. So that's the second one of the motivational gifts is the gift to serve. So a person with the motivational gift of serving has a great desire to demonstrate love by meeting practical needs and by serving others in practical things. 
the server is available to work with projects and enjoys doing practical work. And then, then, then you've got ladies who love to work in the church cafeteria and cook and clean. I mean, that is their motivational gift. They just love to serve. Now, I, I have a, 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 you know, I don't have a, uh, I'm not a good, I'm not good with, uh, with practical things than like building things and hammers and nails. That is not my gift, but my, I've got other friends who are, and they love doing this as a ministry. Okay. And then, uh, teaching a person. That's the third gift. It says that, uh, uh, he that teacheth on teaching. Now, so the first motivational gift is prophecy. That is edify, to exhort, and to comfort the members of the body of Christ. The second uh, uh, motivational gift is to serve, to serve people. The third motivational gift is to teach. A person with the motivational gift of teaching is passionate about discovering and validating truth. Uh, uh, this kind of teacher is particularly concerned with the accuracy of biblical doctrine and is often gifted with study and research ability. So, you know, I, I know people and they're not, they're not like five, four ministry gifts. They couldn't, you couldn't put them before, uh, before 50,000 people to preach, but, and, and they're lay people, but they're excellent with Bible doctrines. They work excellently as Sunday school teachers, at teaching groups in the church. You know, there, there's like in my home church, there's all kinds of groups going on, uh, uh, like there's uh, addiction recovery groups, there's a group for divorced ladies and, you know, people who have been through different things and, 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 and we have got people in our church who are great to teach, uh, you know, teach scriptures, teach scriptures to other, and, and, and they're not full-time ministers, but they know how to handle the word of God handle the word of God and teach the word of God to others to build them up, to, to lift them up in their life. So that is, that is the third motivational gift, teaching. Now, the fourth motivational gift is exhorting, exhortation. Now, a person with the motivational gift of exhortation wants to see believers grow in spiritual maturity. An exhorter is an encourager at heart and is often involved in the ministries of counseling, teaching, and discipleship. So a person who is an exhorter, that's his gift. You'll find him often in the areas, ministries of counseling. He'll be in counseling because he gets the opportunity to build people up, to lift them up, or he can even be in teaching. That's the one I mentioned last or in discipleship, making disciples, making uh, young Christians into disciples and followers of Jesus. So that's exhortation. Now, the next gift, the fifth one is giving. And he says, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. And giving a personal, this is an interesting gift because a personal person with the motivational gift of giving wants to use financial resources wisely in order to give to meet the needs of God's work and of people in need. A person with this gift is usually good at helping church, churches order its finances, noticing overlooked needs, and helping people organize and maintain their personal finances. Now, this is very interesting because, because uh, there, there's two sides to this ministry of giving. Like, I know one dear, dear brother, he and his wife, they're friends of mine, and they're business people. And what they have done is that they, they put 
a, a, a large amount of, uh, uh, you know, the profits on the businesses into a foundation. And from that foundation, they give, they, they, they support two of our crusades every year. And whenever there's a need, they're always there. They help the poor, they feed the poor. They take truckloads of, of food to uh, a big city nearby and give it to the poor churches. And they've set up computer labs to help uh, young people in those underprivileged areas. I mean, they are busy doing you know, helping people. Now, they are not teachers or preachers, but this is their ministry. They have a ministry of giving. And praise God for people who are blessed with wealth who can have this ministry of giving because they look at, at their calling to give to ministries who are preaching the gospel and to help people in need. So that's one side to it. The other side are people who, who understand money and, and, and they're givers and they understand money. Like I know this one couple here at home in, in my hometown and they've been a great help to us. Not only have they given to our ministry, but they help a lot of people in the church, people who are in debt and people who are, I mean, not just debt, but deep in debt. They have helped them organize their finances, get their finance together, finances together, help them set up budget and pay off their, you know, bills and all that because many ordinary people don't know how to handle money and it's good to have friends around you who know how to handle money who can help so that is that is i can say the gift of giving and then the last one is that is ruling uh, and he that ruleth well it's not the last one the second last one he that ruleth with diligence ruling that means to organize and to administer a person with the motivational gift of organizing is able to accomplish tasks and solve problems through analysis and delegation and organize often sees discerns the talents of abilities of others and how how uh, and knows how these individuals can best serve within a ministry or a particular project. So uh, there are some people who are gifted with the gift of administration. And you know, when you have a church or a ministry, that's an essential part of it to administer and all that. And and so uh, uh, my my wife has that. She she's an, a great administrator. And so she and and uh, and uh, uh, another brother Bob Stauffer who hands our finances. They, they, I mean, they, they are great at this. I don't know. I don't have a clue. I'm just a preacher. I just know how to preach. But they, my goodness, they put their heads together and they organize the finances. They organize everything. They know how things have to be done. So they, this is also a gift. This is one of those most motivational gifts to, to organize things uh, and, and to administer things. Then the last one, the last gift is mercy. That's the last motivational gift. A person with a motivational gift of mercy is sensitive to the emotional, spiritual, and material needs of others. A mercy giver is drawn to people in need and seeks to demonstrate compassion, understanding, and love to them. And for me, the best example of this is my wife, Britta. I mean, she, that's her motivational gift. I said she's good at administering also, but this is, this is she. She has, she's very sensitive to the emotional, spiritual, and material needs of others. And often she's not drawn to people uh, who have it all together and doing well. You know, she doesn't go to parties and, and hangouts with these, you know, ladies and all that. But, but she's normally, my wife, she's drawn to the weaker ones, to those who have needs. They're the ones who tug at our heart. And because that is just her gift. 
And so she's drawn to people. She, she is drawn to people in need. And she seeks, looks for, goes out of her way to demonstrate compassion, understanding, and love to them because that's her gifting. So, you know, there are these seven motivational gifts and um, as opposed to the nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so uh, let's recap it again. And they are uh, prophecy, to prophesy, and to serve, and to teach, and to exhort, and then is giving, and then is ruling, which is organizing and administering, and showing mercy. And all these ministries are needed. We need people in churches and ministries who are drawn to the weak. So everybody wants to be with people who have all together, but we also need people who are drawn to the weak, who are drawn to the ones in need. And that's those who have the gift of mercy. We need people who can organize, administer things. We need people who have the gift of serving, like my friend Larry Fry. They're always there to help whenever there's a need, practical need. So, you know, all these ministries are needed. They are most essential. They're very essential to the body of Christ and the work of the kingdom of God. And what will happen is that once you are uh, when, you know, when you open your heart to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can begin to draw you towards one of these things. And unless he's calling you to the fivefold ministry gifts and uh, or sometimes uh, the way to the fivefold ministry gifts is through these motivational gifts. And and you and you begin to be drawn to serve God and to serve God's people in a certain way. And you begin to serve him. And that is when you find your niche and you find that that is where God uses you the most and you can be the greatest blessing to people. But anyway, tomorrow we'll continue and we'll talk about developing and growing in the ministry, how you can develop and grow. Uh, and these are principles that apply to everybody, whether you're in the fivefold ministry gifts or whether you are in the motive, uh, in the, uh, in the, so in the supported gifts, uh, the supported ministry. But anyway, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand upon their lives. I ask you to touch them, bless them, use them mightily for your glory. Be glorified in all things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you and may the hand of the Lord be upon you and I'll see you tomorrow.